Hey everybody, this is Andy, aka Love Retro BTW, across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming, from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday, like a Saturday morning cartoon, starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, Please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect, and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below. And remember, enjoy the Gamers Week podcast. Coming up on Gamers Week podcast. When this game came out, was it 90s? 96. 96. So people with their Pentium 2s and they're in their households and the little <laughs> girls coming up. Daddy, can you load up Barbie fashion designer for me? He's like, not now. I'm playing Quake. <laughs> Fine, I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to yell at you. Fine. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let me just shut this down. Here you go. You know what happened? No. Those little girls grew up. And voted Barbie fashion designer into the World Video Game Hall of Fame in place of Quake. Mr. Blue is downstairs right at this moment watching Super Troopers. You mean shenanigans? Oh. (laughs) I guess Ryan doesn't think it's interesting, though. He'd rather be muted. Uh, Talking and uh, I was saying stuff. You didn't know you were muted? Are you serious? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is so difficult for you. I had several quotes. (laughs) There's an action to muting yourself there. I, I just, I don't know how you forget that you completed that action every single time. So instead of if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? It's if Ryan is doing movie quotes while well, he's muted, so nobody hears it. Nobody hears it. And he's not going to repeat himself. Absolutely not. Was he even quoting movies? I hate you both so much. Yeah, I don't care. okay then (laughs) anything else or should we jump right in carry on okay welcome to gamers week podcast like the name says we analyze the best worst and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry this is episode 72 and today is wednesday may 10 2023 thanks everyone for tuning in my name is blue williams and i'll be your host for this evening but i am not alone i do have my two fine co-hosts with me my first co-host regularly wins the respect of radio djs everywhere whenever he calls in to request the macarena (laughs) (laughs) hey macarena hi (laughs) (laughs) And please remember to subscribe to my second co-host OnlyFans to see him wearing his brand new knee-high Sagat socks. <laughs> Tiger! Tiger! <laughs> That's what I'm... Never mind. I'm not even going to complete that sentence. <laughs> please, everyone, say hello to Ryan Payne, a.k.a. Retro Game Brews, and the one and only Donnie G. 
They're not really knee high. They're they're calf high. Okay, <laughs> He's got to get into it. He's got to let you know. <laughs> but I mean, as far as the people concerned about the OnlyFans, that's still all you're wearing, correct? We do an OnlyFans sock night. I take uh, it's where I, I I line up all the the cool socks that I have. You know, like my Spider Man socks, the Sagat socks. I do have a Street Fighter Ryu and Ken socks. Um, I just I put those on. I take those off. I I talk to my fans, and that's all I'm wearing. So. 99 cents a month for you guys. <laughs> Only 99 cents? Wow. You got to reel them in. All right. That's how you, zzz. you know, once you got them in the cooler, then you up to up it to like $19.99. <laughs> there you go. For $19.99 a month, you get to pick which socks he puts on next. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our reviews, reactions, and requests. Holy Headshot says, I fully expected just to hear the audio version of the live Twitch show when I downloaded episode 71, and yet you guys went above and beyond like you always do and had a full-on new show. Thank you guys for being awesome. Love them both. Thanks, man. Glad yeah. that you uh, were able to tune into the live show, and then we're glad you enjoyed it. Kisses, baby. <laughs> I don't think that's what he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what he got. All right. Bakawil says, I will again plug Dark Lions as the best history game made by Microprose, so the same guys that made Civ. Anyway, the episode was great, and it was so nice to have Rob on. Found his podcast through you guys, and you are both casts that go right to the top of my list when released. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I love the I love the idea of people getting a chance to discover other shows as a result of, you know, the collabs that we do not only on our show but on other shows and yeah, that's Absolutely. that's awesome. And finally, Zach Huge thanks says Ryan loves it when there's Seaman on his Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> All over his Dreamcast. He didn't put Seaman. He put he, he forgot the A. All right. <laughs> you know, yeah, there was a, a little spelling difference, but um, yeah, that's probably bad for the Dreamcast. I'm just gonna say. No, it hardens the shell. <laughs> <laughs> it's really obvious because mine's a black one too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to our listeners already. (laughs) And now it's time for the I'm never gonna vote again. Ryan never has my choices. So I'm never gonna vote again in the very important poll. Should have known better than to vote again. All these choices are so awesome. So I had to f-ing vote again and let my voice be heard. Tonight these choices seem so right. Oh, hey, look, there's Final Fight. Night Trap for Sega CD. Everyone is wrong, it's Final Fantasy 3. We could have been so good together. We could have voted in this poll forever. So now who's gonna vote with me? Please vote! Bravo, bravo. Well done, sir. Amazing. <laughs> was that good? That was, was amazing. That Acapella and everything. I love that. What I should have done is I, I should have brought my son's uh, synthesizer up here in the room and try to do something with that. But Ooh. I don't know. I, just, I didn't want to overthink it. <laughs> it gives you somewhere to go from here because you can't top out on your first try. No, definitely not. 
That's why you get the homemade kazoo. The homemade kazoo is better. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he's like, Every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP, our very important poll. If you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. Now, this week's question was, what is your favorite game that takes place in a cyberpunk-style setting? Coming in at number three was Snatcher at 17.1%. Following it up at number two was Shadowrun, one of my personal favorites, at 25.8%. And taking the lead in the poll this week, Cyberpunk 2077 at 41%. Now, some of you said other at 16.1%, so let's take a look at some of the comments for the poll. At Masamuni1990 says VA-11 Hall-A... What the f***? What? Valhalla, but it's... <laughs> oh, okay. Valhalla, cyberpunk bartender action does such a great job of world building and fleshing out characters, all while you are just mixing drinks and talking to customers at a hidden bar. Really looking forward to when they finish making the sequel, Nirvana. Okay, Leet Speak, sorry. It's been, it's been a while <laughs> since I've spoken Leet Speak. At Valerian says, from the list, I'd say Shadowrun, but really it's Deus Ex 1, Deus Ex HR, and Deus Ex MD. At Denon666Peak says, I think the longest journey slash Dreamfall trilogy often gets overlooked in this regard. It's actually half cyberpunk, half fantasy. 100% awesome, too. At Muertoken says, The Ascent. People, please play The Ascent. And at Nestor J. Galliano says, bunch of youngins in here if they don't pick either Snatcher or Shadow Run. <laughs> so based on this poll for this week, Ryan, which one did you pick? Uh, so I went with Other, but I have to say Snatcher is super fun. Watching you play it was was excellent. I think, though, you had the version that was more censored than the normal version or the, the Japanese version, right? I'm not sure. There's a different version than the one I played. Yeah, so I think that the one you played was the American version, which is more censored. There's uh, there's less boobs in there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Shadowrun. I purposely did not say Shadowrun on the Genesis or on the Super Nintendo because I just wanted <laughs> to keep people guessing. And of course, Cyberpunk 2077. I have I still have to play that game, but uh, I want to, and it looks great. But somebody did point out that. One of my favorite games of all time technically is a cyberpunk game, even though I didn't really think of it that way. But Final Fantasy VII is kind of a cyberpunk game. Okay. okay. So I I pulled up the definition just to be sure. And it's a subgenre of science fiction in a dystopian futuristic setting that tends to focus on a combination of low life and high tech. So technically... I mean, on a small technicality, if Final <laughs> Fantasy VII works, and just to confirm, I looked up cyberpunk video games, and Final Fantasy VII is listed as one of them. So, boom, baby. Squaresoft, you helped me out on this one. We're going to go with Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. <laughs> Blue, what about you? What was your choice this week? Well, I looked up the same definition that Ryan did. Honestly, it didn't clear it up that much for me. <laughs> so I thought a long time about this, trying to figure out where was the line really between cyberpunk and just regular sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So I think this game counts, maybe not, but my vote was for Axiom Verge. Okay. Yep. 
I'll give that. Okay. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah. It's allowed. It's allowed. I <laughs> I really, really like that game. I really, really like kind of the neo-retro style 16-bit-ish graphics. I love the gameplay. I love the world building. I love the soundtrack. It's a freaking great game. And so that had to be my my first choice. I know the Nestor J. Galliano says a bunch of youngins in here. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I didn't pick Snatcher or Shadowrun. So, you know. So you're a youngin. I must be a youngin. She still gets carded when she's buying beer. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Donnie? You know, I loved Snatcher. Um, I, I like the game. I wouldn't say I love it. I, I did find Hideo Kojima's repetitiveness as far as like having to to select the same question over and over, like three times in a row. And you get the same responses three times in a row, but yet that fourth time, it's like, oh, here, I'm going to tell you something different. It's that. like, really? <laughs> yeah, that, that drove me nuts when I played the game. That's a total gotcha thing. It is. So I like the game. I just hated that particular aspect of it. Now, when you're talking about settings, it's a toss-up, really, between Shadowrun for the Super Nintendo, which is my all-time favorite. It was my first kind of uh, look into the cyberpunk genre. And then Cyberpunk 2077. That is the like the true definition of Cyberpunk. Indeed. And you get it on such a grand scale um, that it's kind of hard for me to choose. I have my, my old retro self that loves the Shadowrun, but the new modern Donnie G retro loves the whole Cyberpunk 2077. So it's really a tie for me. All right, let's move on to our patron shadows. All right, we couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. Gametroid, Michael, it's, is it? Lakite. I think it's Lashit. Uh, no, I messaged him, and that okay. is exactly how he told me to pronounce it. Gotcha. See, I thought it was like Michael the <laughs> you know, like Lashit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be funny. Emo-esque, Bill Tucker, The Rear Retro Game Brewers, Food Cakes Number 1 Stand, Ducks with Thick Thighs, Cyberpunk 2077, Holding Red Falls Beer, <laughs> Bob Loblaw's Law Blog, Gamers Feet Podcast, <laughs> Games with Coffee, Spit Take, The Wizard of Zardoz, Bobs and Dugnut, Retro Blast Pat, Great Cyaman 81, B&T Guy, Geek With That, Johnny Boombot, Crunchy Kong, Sheriff Snaps, Frank Grande, Love Retro BTW, Steven San, Ramboski, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Colleen, Games with Coffee, Hybrid Divide, You Fall Before Me, Davey PGH, The Red Ox PDX Family, including Shannon and Luke, Zach Huge Thanks, Number One Blue Six Boys Fan, Random Retro Dude, Princess Kitty Mew Mew, Rai Rai's Secret Best Friend, and Mega Retro Man. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope that you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the costs of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing like prizes and giveaways. You also gain access to our weekly patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut. Patrons with benefits. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's move on to our headlines for the day. And our headline segment is, of course, proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Club podcast. It's a fantastic, family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Rob and Hugh pick two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. This week, we've got the exclusive insider scoop on the next two Game Club picks that haven't been announced yet. Ooh. Are you ready? 
Let's do this. Shh. <laughs> it's Bloody Wolf for the TG-16 and Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Visit them at RetroGameClub.net or follow the link in the show notes. I've always wanted to play Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, and I haven't yet. That's one of those ones that I think it was a staple on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. I definitely need to get that for my my 3DS library. And also, a Bloody Wolf I haven't played, but I, I wonder if it's on the TurboGrafx Mini. Oh, that's a good point. I don't know offhand, but yeah, that would be a good one for that, for sure. I did not see Bloody Wolf immediately on the selection on the back, but I did see Snatcher for the PC engine. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, silver lining. All right. <laughs> From IGN. Xbox did a better job with assisting Starfield development than Redfall. Xbox boss Phil Spencer. Drink. Drink. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has offered some kind of reassurance to fans that Starfield will hopefully launch in a better state than this week's Xbox console exclusive Redfall, claiming that the publisher did a better job in terms of assisting with development. On a new episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, Spencer explained how the acquisition of a studio that is midway through the development of a game, as it did with both Bethesda Game Studios and Arcane Austin, working on Starfield and Redfall respectively, can be a challenge, and that Xbox needs to improve its process. We didn't do a good job early on in engaging Arcane Austin to really help them understand what it meant to be a part of Xbox and part of First Party, and use some of our internal resources to help them move along that journey even faster. We left them to work on the game, Spencer said. According to Spencer, Xbox did a better job with Starfield because the game was earlier on in production, when Bethesda joined Microsoft. Redfall was further along in development, so assistance was more difficult. Nonetheless, Spencer says we should have been there for Arkane Studio Director Harvey Smith and the team earlier. I think that's on us. Arkane's Redfall launched earlier this week with a variety of technical bugs and poor creative decisions, something which resulted in a variety of negative reviews. When asked for his initial response to the launch of Redfall, Spencer said, there's nothing that's more difficult for me than disappointing the Xbox community and just kind of watching the community lose confidence and be disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> uh, does it feel like to anybody else that Spencer is throwing Arcane under the bus? Absolutely. To save his own skin? Absolutely. Of I course. was just thinking, like, <laughs> <laughs> throw them under the bus. It was them, not me. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on my team. So my bad. I'm going to look good because I'm going to step up as the team captain and take responsibility for the <laughs> L. But really, it was that guy. That guy screwed up the layup. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's not really blaming arcane austin he he is blaming xbox he's saying that we didn't do a good job of reaching out to them we let them continue to work on it (laughs) we let them continue to be themselves and suck (laughs) and do what they wanted (laughs) like oh we should have checked in we should have monitored them better but i don't know what arcane austin has put out i don't know what their rap sheet is prey and dishonored is right and death loop death loop yep so their games are always really successful. Right. And I suppose that Microsoft could be forgiven for thinking that they know what they're doing and they got this. But True. clearly it didn't turn out that way. And so now Spencer has to take blame upon Xbox as a matter of fact. But really, he's pretty clear to point out that this was Arcane's doing. We right. couldn't help with the game. It was too late. We just left them alone to make the game their game their way. Right, right. Too late in the production. We didn't want to step in and and do anything like that. So, yeah, I get that. 
But he did come out and say, we've been more involved in Starfield. So once again, it's the same <laughs> dilemma. <laughs> Even more weight now on Starfield's shoulders that if it doesn't deliver, then it like, what, what will the excuse be this time? It's like, well, we stepped in and we shouldn't have. We should have let them right? do their thing. And that's on us. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding me? I mean, I suppose you don't get to be a, a figurehead, like talking mouth, unless you know how to spin a story to your company's advantage. Absolutely. That's how you make the big bucks. Now, I will say this, though. I got a chance to watch some of the gameplay for Redfall. It wasn't really that bad. The guy was playing it solo, so he wasn't in like a party setting, just playing it by himself. And from a visual standpoint, it looked gorgeous. The gameplay seemed fine. It just reminded me of you know your average first-person shooter game where it requires a lot of inventory management and there's a certain amount of stealth to it as well that's required the baddies so all the vampires looked pretty darn cool in fact there's one called the rook it's this enormous uh vampire that comes after you there's like an entire link tree or rather skill tree system that that you can choose to, to go through so in all honesty from that probably hour and a half to two hours i watched it didn't seem as bad as I think people have been saying. So I'm going to say that it's probably just a result of the missteps that they made on what they published the game to be, right? They, they It was going to be a co-op game. You know, you were going to work in teams and that kind of stuff. And that section of the game didn't live up to the hype. So I'm assuming that's where most people are disappointed in it. But other than that, I mean, they had some really cool looking weapons in it. The, the kills that you got to do in order to defeat the vampires is actually really cool and really graphic as well so thinking maybe that this is getting a little bit more hate than it deserves but if people don't like it that's their their opinion right i may be then in the, the minority to say i would actually give this a try well yeah i think you're probably right in that it suffered from a marketing problem right they they build this thing forever as a co-op shooter and then they couldn't deliver right. on that part of it it probably also suffered from a hype problem similar to Indeed. to cyberpunk where <laughs> it was so built up mm-hmm. and then it was delayed so it could be built up even longer so it was going to be really unlikely that the game was going to deliver on that much hype but what i what i've heard and again i have not seen any gameplay i have not seen anything about this game but what the reviews are saying is that it's so buggy you can barely play it and uh. i know there was i know there was a patch earlier so maybe some of that stuff was fixed right and then they're also saying that the missions are really vanilla it's really derivative it there's nothing special about it aside from the vampires it's just a very typical shooter which again that's a marketing problem right you were you said it's going to be epic and then it was run of the mill less than epic yeah but i don't know can you market a game and say come play this very average shooter it has <laughs> that's probably not going to sell your game very well uh, right right yeah, I mean, because every company is going to bolster their game up no matter what. They're right. going to say, oh, it's the best game ever since since Tetris on the Game Boy. And you're like, well, that's <laughs> kind of, kind of the mill. And you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do. And to your point, I don't think you're going to please everybody no matter what you do. No. Maybe Redfall, like Cyberpunk, will be worth checking out in a few months when they get the bugs worked out. Maybe they can fix the online matchmaking mm-hmm. and maybe we can pick it up at a discount. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, another example of that was No Man's Sky. That that came out huge right. disappointment. Everyone hated it. They fixed all the bugs. And now mm-hmm. it's it's slowly over the last couple of years has really gained a huge following from people. So I guess that will be an interesting thing to watch is whether Xbox says, no, we're going to cut our losses on this game. It was terrible. Or whether they're going to continue to see value in it and allow Arcane to fix it. Is this the new norm? A game is not ready. A game gets pushed. It comes out. People go out and buy it. They, they're like, oh, this is a piece of crap. It's so buggy. I can't play it. Yada, yada, yada. Give me my money back. Okay, we've, we've heard from the collective masses. This is what's wrong with it. Let's go in and try to fix it. We fix it in X period of time. Now it's here. Now it's a beloved game. Give us your money again. Eh, I don't know, because there's that level of trust there that's now broken mm-hmm. because I've paid full price for this game. It's buggy as crap. It's unplayable. If, if, if that happens... Discount the game. Discount the game heavily, like 50% or whatever. You cannot have a product that goes to market that is unplayable, that people can't use it. And I cannot get behind that kind of uh, mentality. I think the only remedy would be like offer this really exclusive DLC for people who bought it full price that gives you like an OP weapon or something like that. But still, uh, what I think that leads to, though, is that pre-orders are not going to be a thing. Uh, if that's the expectation that the first time you buy a game, it's going to be super buggy and not work right. Right. No, thanks. So everybody's just going to wait six months to a year to play your game, even though it's out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the risk that you run. Yep. All right. Next up from The Verge, Nintendo Live 2023 starts September 1st in Seattle and the tickets are free. (laughs) Free 99. My favorite. (laughs) Nintendo's next big live event will take place in Seattle this September, and today the company revealed dates and more details about Nintendo Live 2023. The event will run from September 1st through September 4th at the Seattle Convention Center and is intended to be an all-ages celebration of Nintendo games. Nintendo Live 2023 is going to be a free event, and there are two ways to get tickets. You can register in a randomly selected drawing at Nintendo's website at some point between May 31st and June 22nd, where you could get a one-day pass for a group of up to six people. Kids under the age of six don't need their own ticket, but the person registering must be a U.S. resident who is over 18 and has a Nintendo account. It's taking place alongside the PAX West event, which will require separate tickets. However, if you're attending PAX West, there's a separate drawing you can enter to receive a free ticket, which will allow one person access to the Nintendo event. According to Nintendo's FAQ, there's no wait list for tickets and walk-up tickets will not be available. So anyone hoping to attend will need to register via these drawings or maybe earn their way in via competitive tournament playing Mario Kart 8 or Splatoon 3. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nintendo (laughs) says it isn't announcing any new products at the event, but confirmed a live stage, photo ops, and iconic characters, opportunities to play Switch games, and an on-site store with exclusive merchandise. Hmm. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandise. (laughs) Mario Kart 8, the (laughs) flamethrower. That kids love this one. (laughs) This is weird. It is super weird, isn't it? Yeah, you can't buy tickets. You have to hope you're lucky enough to be chosen to go. Right. And you have to have a Nintendo account. So I wonder 
is there anything in the background that's going to help you out? Like if you own a butt ton of Nintendo games, uh, is that going to give you like first of the line priority? Oh, that would be sh- mm-hmm. Remember when the PS5 is coming out and Sony said, oh, you can register for an opportunity to perhaps buy one. So you go onto the right. PlayStation website, you register with your account, PlayStation goes and checks out your play history, your social history, all that kind of stuff. And that's how you're quote unquote randomly chosen for the opportunity to perhaps buy a PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> That's what this feels like. It does. It definitely does. One of two ways, both of them are completely random. Imagine, okay, imagine this. Imagine in the next couple of months trying to figure out a way to get to Seattle for the September launch. You've got all your plans made and you still don't know if you're going to get tickets. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty rough. And as soon as the tickets get announced, you know every single hotel in Seattle at that exact moment is going to get flooded with calls. Instant booked. Well, yeah. I mean, in theory, it should be flooded anyway because of PAX West. Fair, fair. But... Nonetheless, there are plenty of people who just want to go to the Nintendo Live event that are going to take over the city at that point. Man, I should I should buy some property in Seattle and make an <laughs> Airbnb for crying out loud. I mean, I guess on the one hand, it's nice that it's free. Right. Yep. They probably expect you to, instead of getting money on your ticket, you're going to go in there and buy a crap ton of merchandise, <laughs> which let's be honest, I probably would. Oh, there's also going to be a third party market for Nintendo merchandise that was purchased at the show. 100%. Totally. Totally. And actually, that's a good point. Because your your pass will be tied to your Nintendo account, are they doing this to try to stop scalping? Oh, good question. Because then they could trace it back to you. Mm. Like, oh, show me your ID. Like, we, you won these tickets. It was registered to this person. They're non-transferable. Okay, let me see your ID. Oh, this ID doesn't match the name on these tickets. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you can't come in. And now your account is banned because you tried selling them. Interesting. What? I mean, it's one way to do it. It puts everything completely under Nintendo's control and discretion, but... Which is what they like having anyway. It's the randomness of it that doesn't sit well, I imagine, with people who want to go. I hope they don't check your social media account because they would see how what some of the weird shit that I post and I would definitely not get <laughs> 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 We don't want this guy here. Hmm. That uh, inkling porn. Try to keep that on the down low. So much of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you think you're good enough, you can try to win your way in in Mario Kart 8 or Splatoon 3. Uh, neither of them I'm good enough at <laughs> to do that. <laughs> no, me neither. I've played in some of the regular tournaments that Nintendo hosts online just for like gold points for their mm-hmm. site or something. And I always get annihilated. Like that's when the best of the best of the best with honors shows up. <laughs> with honors. <laughs> with honors. <laughs> <laughs> like th- there's no way I could ever even come close to winning just regular gold points in one of those tournaments. And this time people are racing for something concrete. They're racing right. for freaking Nintendo live passes. So I mean, I'm still going to try, but I don't hold out any hope whatsoever. I don't know what to think anymore. You you almost always kick my ass in Mario Kart. <laughs> and you're you're at the top of the list. And then now you're telling me that there are people who are like, just blow you out of the water? Uh-huh. <sighs> I mean, the, the, the advantage to this would be it's just North America. 
So like those Japanese players who show up at night, they are not <laughs> going to be there. <laughs> but yeah, there's always a bigger fish in the sea. So blue is like really good for like junior college. And yeah, I'm not D1 for sure. No way. She's not D1. And you're not making it onto the varsity squad for high school. <laughs> oh, you want me to go up to the plate and not swing? Oh, okay. That's fine. I'll, I'll get my Letterman jacket. <laughs> All right, next up from Games Radar, The Last of Us joins the World Video Game Hall of Fame alongside other classics such as Wii Sports and Barbie Fashion Designer. The Last oh? of Us will join the Video Game Hall of Fame next month alongside other classic games such as Wii Sports and Barbie Fashion Designer. The Strong National Museum of Play in New York has announced the newest additions to its World Video Game Hall of Fame via a press release. On June 30th, Naughty Dog's The Last of Us, along with Nintendo Wii staple Wii Sports, classic arcade game Computer Space, and everyone's favorite PC game from the mid-90s, Barbie Fashion Designer, <laughs> <laughs> will be inducted into the museum's class of 2023. The World Video Game Hall of Fame was established in 2015 to recognize individual electronic games of all types that have enjoyed popularity over a sustained period and have exerted influence on the video game industry or on popular culture and society in general. The Last of Us series started in 2013 and went on to spawn a sequel in 2020, a PS5 remake in 2022, and an incredibly popular HBO television adaptation earlier this year. Barbie Fashion Designer sold more than 500,000 copies in two months after its release in 1996. Wii Sports helped to shift more than 100 million Wii consoles worldwide for Nintendo, and Computer Space inspired its creators to go on to establish Atari Inc., the Last of Us, Wii Sports, Computer Space, and Barbie Fashion Designer managed to beat out other finalists for the position, such as Age of Empires, Angry Birds, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, FIFA International Soccer, GoldenEye 007, NBA 2K, Quake, and Wizardry. All of these games are iconic in their own right, but did any of them let you design outfits for the 1950s icon that is Barbie? I don't think so. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> we talked about this back in episode 64, and we made some predictions. Ryan predicted that GoldenEye 007, Computer Space, and The Last of Us would get in, so he got two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Donnie predicted Angry Birds, Call of Duty 4, and Wii Sports, so that's one of three. I'll take one. And I predicted <laughs> Angry Birds, GoldenEye 007, and Age of Empires, so I got a goose egg. You suck! Ha <laughs> ha! Is this what it feels burr, like to be burr, Ryan? Burr, burr. I don't like it. I don't oh, like it at that all. This hurt my ego. Thank you. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> Barbie fashion designer. Holy crap. Clearly off of our radar. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I was knocking that game whenever we first uh, talked about it. I was like, no, like, come on. How many people are sitting down and playing Barbie? Fa Apparently a freaking lot. So back in the, what, when this game came out, was it 90s? 96. 96. So people with their Pentium 2s and they're in their households and the little <laughs> girls coming up. Daddy, can you load up Barbie fashion designer for me? He's like, not now. I'm playing Quake. <laughs> Fine, I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to yell at you. Fine. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let me just shut this down. Here you go. You know what happened? No. Those little girls grew up. And voted Barbie fashion designer into the World Video Game yes. Hall of Fame in place of Quake. 
It is weird though, because that's it was super successful, but it is such a niche game mm-hmm. as opposed to something like Angry Birds, which everybody played, or something like Goldeneye, which was extremely influential into an entire genre. So it's a very strange pick. I don't particularly have anything to argue against with the other three, Last Mm -hmm. of Us, Wii Sports, and Computer Space, but Barbie Fashion Designer is the one that I'm just like, I don't know about that. So from my experience talking with the guys at the Strong Museum of Play, one of the things I think that they've been trying to do a lot lately is to talk about the fact that women have been really underrepresented in the video game industry, even though that they've had a large influence on it. I mean, if you go back to Atari and Activision, you know, women have been involved in the process, but it's still for the longest time was considered to be a boys thing, right? So I think having a, a game that really caught the imagination of young girls in the mid nineties is gives it, I think some, some push, right. For that is this idea that they want to be as inclusive as possible. So I get it, you know, and especially with this game, 500,000 copies in two months in 1996 for a computer game. It's actually really, really good. So, I mean, I get it. I think you could certainly make an argument that all the other games that weren't picked could certainly have replaced that. Absolutely. Uh, But I also think that it's important to, to have that representation. That's fair. You are completely right with everything you said. I suppose it's it's nice that they're looking to represent women with these choices. I don't know if I necessarily want to be represented by Barbie. Right. But- right. <laughs> well, because all you know, women are free and cute and all this stuff. So that's 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 right. it's a typical female game. Yeah, I mean, I've got at least three pink convertibles sitting in my garage. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top three. Well, our top two new releases. <laughs> I bring to you these 15, 10, 10 commandments. <laughs> God, I love that movie. <laughs> Death or Treat, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PC. The Halloween spirit is missing. Play as Scary and help him save Hollowtown. Death or Treat is a 2D action roguelite and hack and slash with hand-painted environments and traditional animation. Explore all the worlds and defeat hordes of enemies using different weapons and skills. The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. Switch. Explore the vast land and skies of Hyrule. An epic adventure awaits in The Legend of Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. In this sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild... <laughs> You'll decide your own path through the sprawling landscapes of Hyrule and the mysterious islands floating in the vast skies above. Can you harness the power of Link's new abilities to fight back against the malevolent forces that threaten the kingdom? Based on these two, left hand, right hand, I think I know the answer to this. But Blue, what are you going with this week? Well, I've had Tears of the Kingdom pre-ordered for a long time. I love Breath of the Wild. It's one of my favorite games. I've put over 100 hours into it. So I am super duper hyped for Tears of the Kingdom. Cannot wait. However, Mm. I learned about Death or Treat as I was writing this. And that game looks so freaking cute. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you play as like a little chibi ghost. It's a platformer, like 2D platformer, roguelike. It's all Halloween themed. It looks so adorable. The animation is so adorable. And I need it. I need both of these games. 
Surprise, you're you're into a ghost that looks kind of chibi. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, what about you? What's your choice? Uh, If you're not picking Tears of the Kingdom, uh, you're smoking something and not sharing with me, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're butthurt about breakable weapons. So I don't like the breakable weapons, don't get me wrong, but I'm still going to play this thing. Come on. It's it's, uh, the most anticipated game coming from Nintendo in a long time. So this absolutely has to be the choice. Now, the one thing I, I find interesting about Death Retreat, though, is wouldn't this be, game be better if it was released closer to Halloween to, to kind of capture the the spoopy uh, nature of October? So I'm surprised that they're releasing this in May. Perhaps. If you ever browse the new releases on the Switch eShop around Halloween, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of like crappy mobile-esque Halloween stuff that pops up. You're not wrong. You're absolutely For sale not around that time of year. So I could imagine them wanting to say, no, no, our game is legit. We don't want to be lumped in with that stuff. We want to get noticed when people aren't normally talking about Halloween. It's the diehard version of a video game, right? Where it's a Halloween game, but you don't <laughs> have to play it at Halloween. Just like Die Hard is set in Christmas, but you don't have to watch it at Christmas. You can. You absolutely 100% can, but you don't have to because it's so good. I thought we were going to open I that. thought he was going down that nope, path. I, I closed that wound. <laughs> <laughs> and I was gearing up for a fight. I was I was walking on eggshells, but I think I made it to the other side. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to mute myself and go get some popcorn and maybe a sandwich. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. Donnie, what about you? The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. My son has saved up enough money from doing chores and everything like that. He wants to be taken as soon as he gets off the bus on Friday, but I'm going to have it for him whenever he gets home. So that's heartwarming. Dad of the year. I'm going to be playing this game as well, even though I still haven't finished uh, Breath of the Wild, which I do fully intend on getting back to. Um, I am going to play Tears of the Kingdom at some point, but I'm with you guys, Death Retreat. Um, it looks it looks great. Uh, I love the hand drawn environments uh, or the hand painted environments. It the hack and slash and the 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 two D platformer. It speaks to me. I've watched the gameplay, and I think I'm going to pick this one up. Oh, there's a demo on Steam, so there's that. Ooh. Okay. Nice. I wonder if there will be a demo on Switch. Oh, it's not on Switch. Yeah, it's not on Switch, no. Frick! It looks like a game that should be on Switch, though. It totally <laughs> does. Maybe it'll get a port later. Yeah, so I can't pick it up. Great. Fantastic. You uh, can get it on Steam. It's true, yeah. but I want to play it with my Xbox, damn it. You could play it on Steam and link your Xbox controller to that, so it's like you're playing it on the Xbox. <sighs> so much work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. So this month, we're giving away a brand new copy of Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for the Nintendo Switch. To enter a giveaway, look for at Retro Game Brews pin tweet on Friday, May 12th. Give our Twitter account at Gamers Week PC a follow and retweet for one entry. If you want two more entries, comment with a picture or a screenshot of you listening to episode 72 for a possible total of three entries. Entries will be accepted from Friday, May 12th to Tuesday, May 16th. You're already listening to the episode, so you might as well enter now before you forget and get one of the most anticipated games of the year. You know what I do, man? (laughs) Two entries at the same time, man. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our main topic for the night from GQ Magazine, the 100 greatest video games of all time ranked by experts. 
Greatest games of all time lists have, for all time, gone the same way. A team of video game journalists sit down and put together a ranking that is almost predetermined, a seemingly canonical Hall of Fame that attempts to cover off as many bases as possible. Here at GQ, we thought we'd embrace chaos instead. Rather than shuffle Ocarina of Time, Dark Souls, and Ico across a big list according to our own whims, we decided to get our friends involved. So we gave the industry at large a blank canvas on which to determine their own criteria of best to see where the chosen games differ, and where they're similar, to the traditionally accepted canon. That meant gathering together a massive collection of our favorite developers, streamers, directors, and journalists in the business. Think of it as an Avengers Assemble moment. Each voter had one task. Pick a personally ranked top 10 list. A game in first receives 10 points. A game in 10th place receives 1 point. We received 239 final lists with an incredible 652 games receiving one vote or more. Our winner not only received the most votes, but also placed in people's number one more than any other rival. I was not uh, one of the 239, which I find to be a (laughs) huge travesty and which delegitimizes this list almost instantly. But... Here we go. For us, the full list is one of many different stories from surprising newcomers like 2019's Disco Elysium, making an incredible deep run in the rankings to complete absence of mega franchise names such as Assassin's Creed. It's a mix of new and old and very old with blockbusters and indies from every genre and studios in every corner of the world. There are familiar faces, often in surprising places, and a couple of inclusions we simply didn't expect. So, uh, unfortunately, of course, we don't have time to go over the entire 100-game list. So, here are the top 10. And coming in at number 10, we have Half-Life 2 from 2004. Many of the games on this list would arguably not exist without Half-Life 2, a game that demonstrated what it was possible to do with 3D spaces, playing with physics models to create engaging puzzles and levels. It remains immensely playable to this very day. Now, how about that sequel, Valve? Ha <laughs> ha Coming in at number nine, Dark Souls 2011. Venture deep into Dark Souls' dank subterranean area called Blight Town, and the acrid swamp around you becomes the enemy, slowly poisoning you. In a sadistic game that asks for all your patience and then your sanity, mere survival feels exhilarating. Number eight, Portal 2 2011. Come for the brain-teasing puzzles and incredible physics-based gameplay. Stay for Stephen Merchant reading from one of the medium's funniest scripts. Number seven is Metal Gear Solid from 1998. One of the foundational entries in the stealth genre and the game that birthed Hideo Kojima as one of the art form's fear auteurs. There's a reason every star from Leia Sado to Mads Mikkelsen wants to work with him. He's ingenious, inventive, and bonkers weird. Number six, Mass Effect 2, 2010. Mass Effect 2's final quest, aptly named A Suicide Mission, is one of the greatest in video game history, a thrilling conclusion that also puts all of your choices throughout the game to the test as you potentially lose precious squadmates. There may never be a band of heroes this lovable ever again. Number five, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, 2015. A recent replay of Witcher 3 took 130 hours, every second of it packed with rich characters, phenomenal storytelling, and some of the best quests in RPG history. As such, we're solely tempted to reacquaint ourselves with the Bloody Baron all over again. Number four, we have Bloodborne from 2015. 
Bloodborne's intensely aggressive combat and near-on indecipherable web of Lovecraftian lore cemented director Hidetaki Miyazaki as one of the most influential developers of the decade. The game's originality, it's the only entry in our top 10 without a sequel or spinoff, further cements its mystique. Number three, Tetris, 1985. Effortlessly, effortlessly, Jesus, really? This is going to be one of those words that just wrecks me? Effortlessly, Effortlessly. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, in the movie Hook. To be fair. uh, (laughs) To be fair. Robin Williams struggled with this word when he was introducing (laughs) Granny Wendy. So, yeah, I would give you a pass on this one. There you go. You're just a thespian at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Something. Effortlessly. I can't even say it whenever I go slow. Effortlessly simple game design. There it is. The rights to Tetris have been contested many times, but few can deny the impact of Alexei Pajitnov's blockbuster. As one of just two pre-1990s games in our greatest 100, it currently holds the Guinness World Record for the most ported game ever made. More than 65 platforms officially. Number two, The Last of Us 2013. They made a game out of that show? (laughs) (laughs) A dad game for the ages. Naughty Dog's punt at a Cormac McCarthy-inspired post-apocalyptic travelogue was one of the riskiest moves in PlayStation history. With 32 million copies sold in the franchise so far and season two of a critically acclaimed HBO TV show already in the works, it's safe to say Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley's Almighty Gamble paid off. And number one, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild from 2017. Nintendo's magnificent Switch launch game changed how many saw open-world experiences. Vast in size, deeply systematic, with a completely free-form approach to exploration, combat, and puzzles. Few games match its scope for experimental play opportunities, and few give the players so much sense of authority over their own discoveries. Its sequel, Tears of the Kingdom, has one hell of a legacy to live up to. I have a few immediate thoughts after reading (laughs) this top 10. Who wants to go first? I will say this and only this. Number three, Tetris. Back in 1997, in the issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly, they did a top 100. Okay. Guess what game came in at number one in 1997? Leisure Suit Larry. It was Tetris. (laughs) (laughs) I started off the conversation with it's a homonym. Uh, Tetris. <laughs> Tetris was the game in 1997. Out of all the games in history and all of the modern games at the time, it was voted as number one, the best game ever created. And I'm excited to see that we are now, what, 22, 20, 25, 26 years after that? 20, am I counting that correctly? 26 mm-hmm. years? Math. Math. Math is hard. 26 years after that, that Tetris has only fallen two slots down to number three. But what I guess is really interesting is the other thing that they say in the Tetris little blurb is as one of just two pre-1990s games in the Greatest 100. The other one is Super Mario Brothers, which is at number 96. So it's barely on the list anymore. Wow. Interesting. So everything prior to 1990 apparently sucks balls. (laughs) (laughs) So many triggered people just went, oh, I know. I mean, maybe that's our particular age group, um, but I have some problems with that way of thinking. And when you're looking at this top 10, most of them are after 2000s. Right, right. There's Tetris and there's Metal, Metal Gear. Gear. Yeah. And then everything yeah. after is 
2000 and newer. And mostly 2010s. Wait, what did we talk about a few weeks ago that the golden age of gaming was over, but apparently all the really good games just came out in the last 10 years? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, whatever. But I mean, I know that they said that the the people they invited, they were not all journalists. They were also developers, streamers, directors, lots of people from lots of different aspects of the video game industry. And people were allowed to choose their own criteria of whatever they think is best. Right. But I still feel like that just says something about who contributed when the best games in history all come from, for the most part, the last 10 years. I mean, all of these games, though, I, I would say are great. So it's not like there's a single game on here that I would go, oh, my God, are you are you freaking kidding me? That's right. the, one of the games that they picked. So, I mean, they all have a, a spot in video game history as being some of the most excellent examples of that. But I agree. I think that it's strange that so many of these games are so recent. Of course, my list would be very, very different compared to this. But there are games that I know that, you know, when we ask our patrons what what games are their favorite games, a lot of these are represented. So it's not surprising to me to see that. It's just being an old head. <laughs> an old head. <laughs> starting to realize that maybe I'm, I'm being pushed out. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel the generational shift happening in real time? I do. Like for me, I'm a millennial, and now I feel like being millennial means you're old now, which is a weird, weird experience. So, just for fun, you want to know what's number eleven on the list? Yes, I do. Sure. Resident Evil Four from the oh, GameCube. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is so funny because that game has gone through so many ups and downs of people saying, "Oh, it's the best game of all time." Oh, it freaking sucks. It's overrated. It's terrible. Have you actually played it? It's aged terribly. Mm -hmm. And then here it is. Um, it's number 11 apparently according to these people. Does that make you happy? It it does a little. <laughs> How many of the people have shot the water six times though? <laughs> yourself. So if you could switch out one of the games, which game would you say? That's tough because there's a lot of games on this list I haven't played. I haven't played Bloodborne. I've never played the Witcher series. Um, I tried Mass Effect, couldn't really get into it. Portal, I've never really played, but I've seen other people play. Um, I want to play the game. It's just puzzle games, I, which I do like. I love a good puzzle game. But sometimes they end up making me feel like, you know, Solomon Grundy. Oh, smash, I can't get past this. <laughs> uh, and in particular, this game makes you feel that way because of GLaDOS basically makes fun of you for being an idiot. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> so I can't say that I would replace anything on the top 10 with another game of my choosing because, I mean, a lot of games I haven't played, but uh, a lot of games I have. And I think they, they deserve to be here. That's fair. Blue, is there any game that you would replace? I don't want the mob to come after me. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right. If, if you just tell me, I promise I won't tell anyone else. Promise nobody will ever find out. No one will find out, I swear. <laughs> and here I am with my tape recorder. <laughs> <laughs> I would move The Last of Us out of the top ten. Oh, sh she said it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's a good game, but it did not grab my obsession the way it seems to with the rest of the world. Right. Me neither. Did I want a bunch of sequels and remakes and a TV show of it? No. I was fine with it just being one game and a one and done and going on with my life. So for my personal list, that game would not make it. That's fair. 
I think I would have replaced that with maybe the Uncharted series. I love mm-hmm. that series more than The Last of Us. That's a bold take, Cotton. <laughs> For me, it would be removing either Dark Souls or Bloodborne because as I understand, <laughs> listen, 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 listen. They're they're both very similar in gameplay. Okay, fair. I maybe there doesn't need to be two souls there we go. in yep. the top. That's what I'm getting at. Dark Souls did a lot to really birth the whole genre. Mm-hmm. I think Bloodborne is the peak of it. Yeah, Bloodborne's yeah, I agree. So I guess it depends on your criteria. Right. And Clayman 71, one of our patrons, is also probably going to send me a, a bunch of hate mail for saying that because these are his two favorite games. <laughs> so <laughs> I will some someday play Bloodborne. I promise, Clay. I promise. I still haven't played it either. Oh, you guys need to play it. I don't think either of you will like it, but (laughs) 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 if you get a chance to at least spend a few minutes in it and get a a feel for the world building or something, just the way it it is, it's a great game. I actually have a sealed copy of it. (laughs) Oh, flexing. He's flexing. No, I'm not flexing. I'm saying I I should play it. I just haven't. (laughs) Yeah. Now Clayman's really going to yell at you. Mm -hmm. But if you had to add another game to this top 10. Oof. So I, I mean, my favorite game of all time doesn't necessarily mean it's the best game. That's the other. That's the thing I'm struggling with, right? That's true. You said considering you're coming right. up with your own criteria on the fly, right? I think the game that probably has the best gameplay, action, soundtrack, and just overall fun factor for me would probably be Mega Man X. I would include that. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's a great one. I would want to include Chrono Trigger because it's my favorite game, but I recognize that it's not everyone's cup of tea. Is Chrono Trigger on the top 100 list, though? Yeah, it's number 42. Okay. So Chrono Trigger already on this list. Um, I know for a fact Night Trap is not on this list. Um, (laughs) Robbed, robbed. (laughs) Mega Man X is not on the list, by the way. One of the games that I would choose would be Lightning Force. Ooh, good one. Great soundtrack. Replay value is off the charts. It's challenging and fun. And it is not on this list at all. Right. I checked Hollow Knight, of course. It is on the list at 55, which it would be in the top 10 of my personal list. But I understand why it's it's kind of a mid-ranking game for the general populace because it is super difficult and it requires a certain amount of focus and patience to play. But it's amazing if you if you can put that focus and patience into it. I also checked on Super Mario World, which is number 14, and Super Mario Kart is number 90. Hmm. Dr. Mario is not on the list at all. Ooh. As, as much as I love Dr. Mario, do I think it's a top 100 video game of all time? Even I'm on the fence about it. Right, so right. trying to think of what I would add that's not on the list at all, that's a tough one. Yeah, having to sit here and go through the gamut of video games that, that have been made, you know, to find that one diamond in the rough. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, it's a tough task. Is Barbie fashion designer on the list? Oh, <laughs> oh let's look, let's look. No, it is not. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> We've been lied to. Apparently, the Strong Museum and GQ don't have a lot of communication going on between their offices.
All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. This segment is proudly sponsored by the Leaders Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about video games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. It's kind of funny looking back at technology when it was new compared to today. The hottest release of 2004, Sony's revolutionary PSP featuring a whopping 32 megabytes of RAM and a 333 megahertz processor. It's understandable why Sony CEO Ken Kutaragi was so excited when he declared that the PSP was the what of the 21st century. Tune into The Leadist Podcast this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find The Leadist on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have their links in the show notes. Hmm. Hmm. Was the Studebaker? <laughs> yes, congratulations. Blue, you don't get to guess this time around because Donna got it right. <laughs> Damn it. I, that's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. Mock me, fools. <laughs> Here's a hint. It's a Sony product. A Sony Really? Product. Really. Redacted. Very good. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to ask, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was, I was pumping my fist for my victory celebration. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell us that all day long. That That's didn't fine. sound like pumping fist. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell is going on here? You two are not allowed to judge my victory celebration. Okay, I celebrate how I like. <laughs> All right, fellow kids, clean up those British night shoes, hide that adult magazine under your mattress, and make sure your fanny pack has some bubble tape and a few cassettes because where we're going. You're going to need it. This is the Retro Rewind for May 1993. Let's take a look at some of the top Billboard songs and the artists for May 1993. That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. That's the way I love. Like a moth to the flame burned by the fire. I think that's Michael. Freak Me by Silk, Knockin' Da Boots by H-Town, Somebody Rockin' Knockin' Da Boots, Week by <laughs> SWV, Love Is by Brian McKnight and Vanessa Williams, Looking Through Patient Eyes by PM Dawn, one of my favorite bands, I'm So Into You by SWV, two times on this top 10, Nothing But a G Thing Baby, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Death Row is a label that pays me. <laughs> Unfatable, so please don't try to face me. <laughs> and Don't Walk Away by Jade. Now, you will notice that there are zero, nothing, no rock songs Indeed. on the top 10 this month. All dominated by hip-hop and R&B. Hot at the theaters this month? Dave! D- Dave, who... Can forget Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of this. <laughs> You've never heard of Dave? No. He runs to Google real fast. Dave was the tale of the average guy becoming the president. And I can't remember what the guy's name was. Um, Kevin Klein. Yeah, Kevin Klein. There you go. I'm Sigourney Weaver. 
Not that memorable. You know, the average guy, uh, and it was an average movie, apparently. (laughs) But it was top of the box office this month. Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I remember seeing that one. I do. um, In the theaters. Indecent Proposal. I saw that one in the theaters with a date. Ooh. Ooh. And I got to hold hands and make out. Ooh. So do you remember the movie? Yes, but only because I watched it later. <laughs> all of my life. Sliver with Sharon Stone, Cliffhanger, Hot Shots Part De, Posse, Sidekicks, The Sandlot, You oh. Play Ball oh. Like a Girl. <laughs> uh, that's such a good movie. Sandlot is one of my all-time personal favorite movies. It's 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 like the Shawshank Redemption. Whenever it's on, I can always sit down no matter where at in the movie it's it's at, I will sit down and watch it. And still be enjoyed. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. From the readers, the controversy rages on. Are video games too violent? The most recent flare-up is fueled by the incredible popularity of Street Fighter II and its many beat-em-up clones. Even MTV took up the cause in defend of video games, backed by an army of rockers who have faced similar censorship in their industry. Sometimes non-gamers think video games turn people into bloodthirsty geeks. Sometimes game makers think going to extremes with a proven money-making concept is the answer to creating a hit game. A little research and a strong monetary resistance to violent games can go a long way toward dispelling both notions. Parents are rightly concerned, however, about the violence presented to their children, even more so when that violence is somewhat interactive. A currently popular proposal suggests that a rating system is the way to go. In theory, labeling boxes would give consumers and parents an indication of the violence they can expect in a game. Though violence is a valid concern, we believe that a rating system will not work. Hmm. A triple X rating is more likely to raise interest in a game than to squash it. You're not wrong. What's more, even innocuous games such as Mario Land, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Tiny Toon Adventures would inevitably be subjected to rating, and that smacks of unnecessary censorship. So what's the solution? One answer is for parents to take an active role in monitoring their child's video games as they would monitor the movies and television shows that their child watches. Hmm. A novel idea, right? Nah, that's too much work. (laughs) I got other stuff to do. Also, parents should read the game boxes. Box text offers some of the best on-the-spot guidelines. If words like shoot, destroy, or kill turn you off, stay away from the game's action. Even better, rent the game and play it together before you buy it. What, spending time with my kids? (laughs) Finally, take some time to learn about games. Talk to friends. Watch Game Pro TV. Is that still a thing? And read a few pages in a video game magazine. Again, is that still a thing? (laughs) Many local newspapers also feature video game columns. If all else fails, give us a call at GamePro. We'd be happy to suggest nine violent games. The bottom line is that if you think a game is too violent, don't buy it. That will send the loudest message of all to video game companies. It's a market-driven business, and smart companies are always reluctant to give an unsexful... Unsexful. An unsexful idea a second (laughs) chance. An unsexful idea a second chance. Man, they're talking about newspapers, game magazines, Game Pro TV. (laughs) Renting a game. Right. (laughs) Playing it with your kids. No. You mean you gotta you gotta pay attention to what they watch and play games with them? Come on. Right. So what do you guys think? Will a rating system work? No. (laughs) No? Kids are going to get their hands on the games that they want for the most part, regardless. And besides that, game companies actively do things to get around having the ratings on their games. Of course. Like, for example, hiding microtransactions till a few months after release. 
Burn. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention the fact that um, there are going to be parents out there who just, who don't care, who don't monitor Mm -hmm. their children's activities. And little Timmy is going to go over to little Billy's house because he's got this cool game and he's going to get to play it. So it doesn't matter if you have the rating systems or not. There's always going to be that other workaround aspect that these kids can do. Like when we were kids, you went over to your friend's house who had cable. Of course. And you stayed over the night and you were able to watch the other channels that you shouldn't be watching. Yep. Skinamax. (laughs) Or Spice TV. On Blurry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a look at some of the video game news for uh, this month. At last, the day Genesis owners nationwide have waited for Capcom's making its Genesis debut with what else? Street Fighter II Championship Edition. This blockbuster Genesis cart slated for a June release is an exact translation of the arcade game Street Fighter II Champion Edition. And yes, this means cartridge gamers can at least play or at last play as the boss characters. Check it out. Beignet USA is moving into the heavyweight division. The San Francisco, California-based company has announced a world licensing agreement with Riddick Bowe, the current world heavyweight boxing champion. Hudson Soft is the latest company to climb aboard the Beauty and the Beast bandwagon. Look for both (laughs) NES and SNES games based on the award-winning Disney movie to hit the stores just in time for Christmas. Woo! Yeah, okay, but what about Tiger Electronics? (laughs) Oh, you're not wrong. I had that one, the Beauty and the Beast Tiger Electronics one. They made what one. What a those? scam those were. <laughs> <laughs> Hot at Blockbuster this month on the NES Tecmo NBA Basketball, Mega Man 5, and Batman Returns. On the SNES, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. We put a super on That's the box. That's way better. Way better. Because <laughs> it's super. Spider Man <laughs> and X Men Arcade's Revenge, and Super Star Wars. So everybody who had their weekend rental and played the game for about 15 seconds and went, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) That game was so hard. Every single Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back and Super Return of the Jedi. I mean, like what kind of masochistic bastard made these games? Well, it was Lucasfilm. (laughs) Got to get that replay value out of them. (laughs) Of course. And on the Genesis, we had X-Men, Fatal Fury, and Echo the Dolphin. Oh, uh, good to old think Echo. think like a dolphin, you must be training like a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> you must be communicating. He's going, okay, okay. And you're saying, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, this month was actually pretty low as far as games released. Uh, we had American Gladiators and Super Bomberman for the Super Nintendo and Kirby's Adventure for the good old Nintendo Entertainment System. Interesting. I love Kirby's Adventure. Yeah. Right. It's, a, it's a damn good game. And I actually just recently traded that one complete box to our friend Ducks in Disguise for a copy of Mario Brothers Black Box Five Screw Unpunched Hang Tap Game. Ooh. Unpunched as well. Mm. He's a fancy boy. Unpunched. <laughs> Okay, kids, thanks for hanging out with me this evening. This concludes our retro rewind for this month. I gotta go. My dad's about to hop online, and I need to call my girlfriend since it's after eight, and long distance calls are free. <laughs> Your girlfriend's from Canada, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 72 of Gamers Week Podcast, and a big thank you to the Retro Game Club Podcast, the Leadest Podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. 
If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC, email us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com, watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash GamersWeekPodcast, visit our merch store at gamers-week-podcast.creator-spring.com, or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash GamersWeek, and finally, since you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We really do value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. All right, I think I'm going to head down and try to catch the rest of Super Troopers. The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> <laughs> can you do me a favor? Can you run downstairs and sneak up on him and just yell in his ear as loud as you possibly can? You boys like Mexico! <laughs> <laughs> He's already pulled over. He can't pull over any farther. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good night. Good night, peeps. So now who's gonna vote with me? Please vote! Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. This is the unscripted patron-only bonus cast with less editing and more dirty jokes. We don't know where the conversation will go, but we're sure it will be weird. This fish just went right on my nipple. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I Google Street Fighter 6, the first search result that comes up is people think they can see Ryu's dick in the Street Fighter 6 reveal. <laughs> Listen up here, kids. You're not going to want to get one of those VDSTDs things, right? Make your fall off. When you go, grab a pro. You'll be doing it for America. That was perfect. <laughs> If you want to hear weekly episodes of our patron-only bonus cast, join us at patreon.com slash gamersweek.